Thank you for tuning in to Timely and Timeless Truth Podcast with Danny Varghese. We hope and pray that you will be blessed by the hearing of the Word of God. Here is Danny Varghese with today's scripture meditation. The portion for meditation today is James chapter 3 verses 1 to 12. James's book is filled with practical teachings. It is filled with wisdom. It is a book that calls for action. The main theme, or one of the main themes of this book, is that faith without works is dead. In the portion that we have selected for our meditation today, what is the practical thing, or everyday thing, that James is talking about? You see, in a given day, it is estimated that each of us speak around 15 to 20,000 words. And out of those words, some are spoken to our spouses, some to our children, to our family members, to our fellow believers, colleagues, friends, etc. There are different groups of people that we speak to. So what does James teach us in this particular section? He's focusing on the tongue. And he begins by saying in verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And it is understandable what James is saying there in verse 1, because those who teach use words to teach. And so he's essentially teaching or advising the teachers that you who teach will be judged with greater strictness You who teach use words more than the ones that do not teach. And as a result, your words will need to be accounted for. In other words, those words will have to be put into action first before they are taught. So he addresses teachers, those who teach, telling them that your words as a teacher are important. Then he goes to verse 2 and he says this, that we all stumble in many ways. He says here something that is certain, and that is that we all stumble in many ways. We all fall into sin, make an error. That is a fact, a reality for all of us. There is none that is excluded from that statement. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. But if anyone does not stumble or fall into sin or make an error by what he says, then he is a perfect, he is a complete man, able also to brittle or control his whole body. How is not stumbling in my words, not stumbling in what I say, related to produce the result of being able to control my whole body? How is the control of my tongue in what I say produce the result or the effect of perfection? It's an important question. And in order to answer that question or better understand those questions, we have to understand perfection in light of the examples, in light of the context, in light of the illustrations that James gives. At this particular time, it is good to be reminded of what Jesus said In Matthew 12, verses 33 to 37, and also Luke 6, 43 to 45. In Matthew 12, 33 
on, Jesus says this, Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I have to tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have been spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Now let us go to Luke. Luke chapter 6, verses 43 on. And here, this is what Jesus says. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Here again, Jesus says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So what do we read in both of these passages? What are some commonalities? What are some things that appear in both? Number one, that a good tree gives out good fruit. Number two, a bad tree gives out bad fruit. Next, a tree is recognized by its fruit. Furthermore, Jesus says that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And then he says, only good things come out of the good that is stored in a person and that bad things come out of the bad that is stored in him. Next, he says, everyone will have to give an account for the words that have been spoken. Finally, and by those words, you and I will be justified, acquitted or innocent, or declared innocent, or by them you will be condemned, or will be declared guilty, is what's summed up in both of those passages in Matthew and in Luke. By a fruit, a tree will be recognized. What is stored in a man's heart will determine what comes out of him. If it is good that is stored, then it is good that comes out. If it is bad that is stored, then it is bad that comes out. That is important to note. That which is stored in his heart will determine what comes out of him. Here, with this particular teaching from Jesus, we have to understand something very important. That is set aside anatomical connections and proximity. According to Jesus... And spiritually speaking, the heart is very closely related or is in close proximity to the tongue. This particular statement, this truth, that from the heart, from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks, we have to understand this truth clearly. We have to clearly accept it and understand it. Here, Jesus summarizes his higher standard by stating in both passages, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So what we can understand here is that words just do not come from nowhere. They have a direct correlation, connection with what is stored in the heart. They have a source, they have an origin, they have a starting place. In today's culture, the heart is considered to be the seat of our emotions. 
that is not wrong. It is just not complete based on the Bible's view or the biblical meaning of the heart. A theologian said it this way once, The heart is not just the seat of the emotions, but also the source of our fundamental commitments, hopes, and trust. And from the heart flow our thinking, feelings, and actions. What the heart trusts, the mind justifies, the emotions desire, and the will carries out. When James says that a person is able to brittle or control his whole body, when he is able to control or brittle his tongue, it means here that he can control his circle of life his course of life, his direction of life, because ultimately the tongue is connected to the source, which is the heart. And because the heart is a place from where everything flows, it is the heart ultimately that needs to be tamed or reoriented well. According to Jesus, it is out of the abundance, it is out of the fullness of the heart that the mouth speaks. So then let's go back to James's initial statements where he said, We all stumble in many ways. But if anyone does not stumble in what he says by taming or reorienting first the heart, then it is possible that he does not stumble in other areas. Because the heart is what drives everything that we are and everything that we do. But as James says, if we can control the tongue, we will also be able to control our whole body. Since it is so easy to have a sinful slip of the tongue, if we can avoid sinning when we speak, we will also be able to avoid sinning elsewhere. Is essentially what James is saying. Then James gives us two positive or constructive power examples of the tongue. First is a horse with bits in its mouth. We've all seen horses. How does it function or how is it led to go in a direction by the rider? How is it made to obey its master and guide its whole body with bits in its mouth? Similar to the ship with a small rudder at the helm, able to guide the large ship even in the midst of strong winds according to the will of the pilot. With bits and a rudder, we are able to make large things, obey the driver, obey the rider, the pilot. Which means then that the rider or the pilot is able to guide the large things in the way he or she chooses or intends with such small members as the bits and a rudder. These small pieces are able to control and guide such a large animal as the horse and such a large vessel as the ship. The tongue is among the smallest of our organs, but paradoxically, it can exert the most influence. It can boast of great things, whether for righteousness or for evil. Think about a fierce horse. It is able to achieve great things. It is able to compete with control, with greater strength and control. Why? Because of the bit in its mouth, which enables its rider to control its whole direction or complete direction. Same with the ship. The captain is able to travel long distances, carrying, transporting large, huge number of things and people. Why? Because there is a rudder that he can control to his will. So is the case with the small member called the tongue. 
can also do great things, but only if it is brittled and controlled. The tongue's great potential for power is achieved when it is under control, when its power is under control. Then it too can achieve great things. Not unbridled power or not uncontrolled power, but power that is controlled, tamed to do that which is positive and life-giving. So first, James gives us clues of the positive things that the tongue can achieve. Then he gives us some negative, devastating, destructive things that the tongue can also achieve or is capable of. He begins by saying, How great a fire is set ablaze by such a small fire, a small spark in the forest, can potentially destroy the whole forest by that small spark, by that small flame. And so the tongue is like a small fire, which can set ablaze a great big fire. You see, fire is one of God's greatest gifts to humanity. We use it to cook, we use it to heat our homes, destroy garbage, etc. Similarly, our tongue is one of God's greatest gifts to do good things. On the flip side, much like the fire that is allowed to go out of control, out of bounds, so is the tongue. It can be, it is, if not controlled, it can be a world of un righteousness. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. And there Apostle Paul writes, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. In other translations, it says, nor revilers, instead of slanderers, will inherit the kingdom of God, is what it says. In this particular list that Paul gives, we speak and we address almost all on that list except for one. We normally don't think of this particular one on the list, and that is revilers or slanderers. And he includes it in the list of sins that will potentially cause someone to not inherit the kingdom of God. And who is a reviler? And who is a slanderer? It is someone who speaks abusively or contemptuously to another person. While we speak about every other sin on that particular list that Paul provides or gives, revilers or slanderers we often just gloss over. But that is also included in this list of sins which can be the cause for one to not inherit the kingdom of God. And so James's portion here, teaching here, is of much significance then. James emphasizes the power of the tongue to cause evil. Few things can cause more harm than hurtful or evil words, whether they were planned or spoken of thoughtlessly. Look at James 1, 19 through 21. And this is what it says. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Here he says one thing for us to be quick with, quick to listen, and two things to be slow with, slow to speak, so we are slow to anger for the anger of Man does not produce the righteousness of God. When we are slow to speak, we are then inevitably, we are then more likely to also be slow to anger. That is, 
the result of being slow to speak, we also then become slow to anger. How many times have we reacted so quickly at what someone said? We have potentially used words that we regretted later on. But what if we were slow to speak? What if we gave it some time? We would have potentially been able to avoid thoughtless and evil words. It does not produce the righteousness of God. And that is a catchy phrase. That is a phrase that we have to pay attention to. It does not produce the righteousness of God. It does not produce that which God intends. It is not right in the eyes of God. It is not in alignment with the attributes of God, with who God is. We often do the opposite. We are very quick to speak and very quick to anger, but very slow and impatient in listening. As a result, what happens? We end up stumbling with our tongue through our anger and producing the fruit of unrighteousness. The fruit that we were expected to produce is the fruit of righteousness. Here, after bringing out the example of the small spark or the small flame that can cause a, potentially cause a forest, a whole forest to go on fire, he then says that it can stain the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. A misused word is like a stain on the whole body. Think about a shirt, a white shirt, completely clean. And on this white shirt, think about a stain on that white shirt. What does that do? No matter how small that stain is, that stain now has, in essence, stained the whole white shirt because that stain sticks out. It blemishes the whole shirt. Just that small stain. And that's what James is saying. A small word, a small evil word, can stain the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. Think about the power of the tongue. The power to do good, the power to say good, and the power to do bad, or the power to say that which is evil. And what is interesting here is that James likens this tongue, he compares it to fire that is set by hell or Gehenna. The tongue is able to destroy lives because essentially when we use words that are not thought of well and when we use evil words and when we are quick to speak, we are empowered by the fires of hell itself is what James says. Satan for whom hell was prepared, he then makes special use of this tongue when he tempts us to lie, gossip, slander, insult, etc., he likens it to fire that is set by hell, Gehenna, the tongue which is able to destroy lives because, again, it is empowered by the fires of hell itself. He says, every kind of creature in the animal world has been tamed by mankind. But listen to this. James says that no human being can tame his own tongue because it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. From the same mouth come blessing and curse. We bless our Father, and with the same mouth we curse our fellow brothers and sisters made in the likeness of God. You see, the devil cares least if you go to church, if you sing, if you preach. He cares the most for your heart. He cares the most for your mind. That's his target, because that is the seat of one's beliefs, emotions, and desires. That is the control station. So the devil will not rest till he succeeds in taking over your heart. In terms of what you believe... In terms of controlling your emotions, how you act, your thoughts, how you react. If he has won this area, then he has won you over. 
And so he focuses on your heart. He focuses on my heart. With this same mouth, James says, we do two diametrically opposing, unexpected things, actions. Two things take place. Blessing with the same mouth and cursing with the same mouth. How is that possible? Let me ask you, does James say this and leave it as an utter total impossibility? Is that his purpose in saying that no human being can tame his own tongue? If it was meant to be left as an impossibility, why would he then say, my brothers, in verse 10, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. In chapter 3, verse 10 of James, he says, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. He ends with some rhetorical questions, some rhetorical statements. First, he says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Second question, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? And then he ends by saying, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Why does James talk about the tongue? You may think or ask, how is this related to our spirituality? Is this related to our spirituality, to our holiness? Let me take you to another passage in James chapter 1, verse 26 to 27. And this is what he says there. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not brittle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Here, James says, if anyone thinks he is godly, if he is religious or spiritual and does not brittle his tongue, this person's religion, this person's spirituality, this person's so-called spiritual status or claim to holiness is worthless. If he does not brittle his tongue, his religion is worthless. He deceives his life. So then which religion or spirituality or holiness is worthwhile? One that is defined by what James says here. One that visits orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. One that considers the least of these. He's not asking us to specifically just only do the visitation of orphans and widows in their affliction. That's just a statement to let us know that we should be focused more on good works. That's what true and pure religion, undefiled religion before God is primarily good works. Not only good works, he says, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Personal holiness is a big factor. And to achieve that personal holiness, the tongue plays a huge part according to James, and also according to Jesus, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Let me end by answering the question, how do we tame the tongue? Number one, if you have not entered into a relationship with Christ, enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ today. Because that is the basis by which the heart begins to get transformed and a new life has begun in Christ. In John 15, Jesus explains how our capacity to bear good fruit as branches is directly related to our connection with Him as the vine. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So, it is important that one abides in Jesus Christ. 
because it is he that bears much fruit. Jesus' point in this particular passage is not that we must will ourselves to holiness, but that it is through our relationship with him that the desires of our heart get transformed. Cleansing the outward expression of our hearts through our words and actions to now reflect him in place of our own desires. Number two, live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. When we enter into a relationship with Christ, we have the residence of the Holy Spirit within us. And that Holy Spirit inspires us, nudges us, acts as a spiritual conscience to lead us and guide us in every area of our lives, in every facet of our lives, in every part of our being, including our tongue. So live by the control, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Live under His power. Submit to the Holy Spirit and keep in step with what the Spirit wants you and I to do as children of God. Because ultimately, taming the heart and as a consequence, taming the tongue is through submission to the power of the Holy Spirit, to the control and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Number three, what you feed in is very important. James says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The third point is what you feed in is important. So what do we need to feed in? Implant the seed of the word of God. That's primary. As any tree in order to produce good fruit requires to have a good seed. So the heart, my tongue, my heart, my tongue, in order to produce good fruit, should have good seed. The Word of God is wisdom from above, which is pure, peaceable, and gentle. Which is pure, peaceable, does not cause discord, does not cause fights and quarrels, uncontrolled anger, but is peaceable and gentle. James K.A. Smith said it this way, to be conformed to the image of his Son is not only to think God's thoughts after him, but to desire what God desires. And that requires the recalibration of our heart habits and the recapturing of our imagination, which happens when God's word becomes the orienting center of our social imaginary, shaping our very perception of things before we even think about them. Let me read that one more time. To be conformed to the image of his son is not only to think God's thoughts after him, but to desire what God desires. That requires the recalibration of our heart habits and the recapturing of our imagination, which happens when God's word becomes the orienting center of our social imaginary, shaping our very perception of things before we even think about them. When God's word is implanted in our hearts, James K.A. Smith says, it shapes our very perception of things before we even think about them. The power of the Word of God. And at the same time, in relation to this third point, what you feed in is important. Read other helpful resources. Meditate on other helpful resources that are well aligned with the Word of God. Number four, based on James's practical teachings, practice listening more and for longer periods, which means you are talking less and when you do talk, you are doing so with much more thought and carefulness. This, in essence, is practicing self-control. 
And this is important because this is one of the fruit of the Spirit. We are called to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit as children of God, as people in the Spirit. Not people in the flesh. We're not people of the flesh. But we are people led by the Spirit, that live by the Spirit, that are in line with the Spirit. And as a result then, we ought to exercise, we ought to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, of which one is self-control. When we practice listening more, we practice self-control. When we are quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger, we are practicing the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Number five, do good works. The more you are engaged in good works and giving, the less you are involved and connected with the evil nature within us. When we do good works, it is doubly useful. Why? Because it cares for others. But it also becomes life-giving to you. It becomes life-giving to me. Let me encourage you to be the answer to someone's prayer. We often just pray for people in situations and leave it at that. But we often miss out on this great opportunity to be the answer to someone's prayer needs. Let's engage in good works. And the last point, finally pray that God may help you to tame your tongue and words to be more profitable and life-giving in our speech at home, at work, and at church. Psalms 141 verse 3 says this, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Set a guard over it. And in Psalms 19 verse 14 says that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you, O Lord. Let that be our prayer. Let that be the way we pray for our heart and for our tongue. Because ultimately our words demonstrate the orientation of our hearts. It demonstrates, it portrays where and to whom our heart is oriented towards. So let us take seriously these practical teachings of James. And let us apply it to our daily Christian lives because it is a matter of true religion. It is a matter of pure and undefiled religion because it is something that truly matters to God. As Jesus said, for every word that we say, every word that comes out of our mouth, we have to be accountable for one day. Either you and I will be declared innocent by them or we will be declared guilty which tells you, which tells me, and which is why James is focusing this particular section on this particular teaching that our words matter. Our words matter, especially as children of God. May God help each one of us to be more in control with what we say and how we react and that we would use our tongue to do that which is good and to offer and give, pour out life to those that we come in contact with. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Let the Word of God be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Have a blessed day. May God bless you.